Hello, this is Vin Peterson with Politics Weekly, and today we are going to be talking about a myriad of topics from from Putin to cinema to politics at home, but we're mainly going to be talking about Putin and the crisis at the Ukrainian border, and it's going to be a lot. Um, we're going to start with um, Putin, who is basically just trying to be aggressive towards Ukraine, and I think it's an attempt at invading Ukraine. I think he's tried to do this, I think, in 2014, and he's just seeming to double down now about just trying to be aggressive in invading Ukraine, and I don't understand why he's doing this. I mean, he's just creating a humanitarian crisis, and, but, you know, what would you expect from an illiberal thug, you know? I don't think anybody would expect anything else from a, in a liberal thug. Yeah. So that is interesting. Putin is just very aggressive. Um, Biden announced sanctions. Um, new ones. He's put plenty of sanctions on oil and gas for Russia, including banning Russian oil imports. Um, and he's targeted fossil fuels because that's the main source of GDP for Russia and the country's revenue because it's one of the largest oil producers in the world. But, not, but now he's announced new sanctions targeting Russian banks as well. And one interesting tactic that I noticed the Biden administration is doing with the sanctions is that he's doing them in, in joint conjunction with Europe. And that has been quite an interesting approach about, you. usually the U.S. does the sanctions alone, but he's doing this in sanctions in conjunction with NATO and European allies. So that I find that a very interesting approach. And for the most part, I think these sanctions have worked. I mean, the Russian economy has basically been deflating and, like, essentially the Russian economy is crippling to the point where, like, I believe the ruble has, like, lost a ton of value and and there's a bunch of sanctions and it's just hurting the Russian economy. There is a risk that some people uh, with sanctions about saying that, hey, look, these damage the illiberal thugs, but it also damages innocent civilians in the same way by hurting the economy so much that everybody loses their jobs, there's deflation, and there's a bunch of problems in the Russian economy, and many other places people have criticized sanctions for just hurting the economy and devastating them and devastating people. I mean, they do work in terms of devastating dictators, but, you know, there's pros and cons of sanctions. I still think it's better than saying going out to full-on nuclear war. But Ukraine um, is receiving a ton of weapons from U.S. and other NATO allies um, to essentially curtail Russia's influence. Um, I hear that Russia is actually using some influence to, I think they're going to start using chemical weapons. I am curious what would happen if that were the case, but yeah, it could be very alarming. And, you know, Russia has a ton of nukes, by the way. Yep, and it's alarming. I don't think it's the sort of World War III, but it's definitely concerning about just geopolitical Russian aggression. And just the consequences for the U.S. and abroad from many specters of the economy and the way of life and national security. And Putin is just an illiberal thug. There's no doubting that. And... Now we're going to talk about the politics of this back at home. So, of course, you may have noticed if you filled up at the pump after a ban of Russian oil imports and 
increased geopolitical tensions fluctuating the entire global oil market. Even though Russian oil makes up only about 4% of the U.S. oil economy, um, it's still having an impact because... Um, because just the oil market is traded on a global scale, which increases prices overall. And I think prices hit a new record of over $4 a gallon nationally. And meanwhile, some Republicans are pushing lies about there being a biolab, a Ukrainian biolabs are just, it's a false lie about like Ukraine having biological weapons. It's a lie, but nonetheless, um... Some people on Russian state TV have echoed that lie from right-wing U.S. politicians as a way to justify the crisis in Ukraine. So that's interesting. And in terms of the effects on the midterms and political polling, I'm not sure what would happen in terms of political polling with the midterms because... In theory, this makes Biden look weak, the fact that there is a crisis going on, and many Republicans claim that this crisis wouldn't be happening if Trump was in office. Which, I'm, I'm doubtful of those claims, but nonetheless, that's that's their messaging. Um, it has definitely pushed up inflation in the U.S., particularly on food prices, and it's pushed inflation up in Europe significantly as well, because Europe, they were... Um, fossil fuels in particular. I think a quarter of the European fossil fuel supply comes from Russia. So it's it's send inflation spiraling in the EU, and it's also pushed up inflation to the consumer price index of over 8%, which is the highest since 1981, the highest since Ronald Reagan was president back in December of 1981, which is historic. My parents were... My dad was only 9 years old. So, pretty amazing. So, yeah. And so that's going to be interesting. And also, I believe um, Madison Cawthorn, the Republican congresswoman, congressman from North Carolina, he called Vladimir Zelensky a thug. And I think that was, that message was also perpetrated on Russian state TV, which, yeah. And I think even polling, I think there was a YouGov poll that showed that, like, less than half of Republicans support Ukraine and the Russia invasion. The vast majority of the American public supports Ukraine, including many politicians on the right, but there are a few isolated examples to clarify. But nonetheless, it's interesting how it's becoming more politicized than anybody expected, especially if Republicans trying to pin the blame on fuel prices for Biden in particular might be another reason, potentially. It's not the only reason, but it's a potential reason. Um, and that's very interesting. Um, and... There's a lot. This is a very complex subject. Um, I am curious what would happen if Poon was assassinated. You know, the U.S. government in the early times made several unsuccessful assassination attempts at the Cuban dictator and communist thug Fidel Castro. And it really didn't do anything. Um, it, they were all unsuccessful attempts. But say the U.S. was successful at assassinating Vladimir Putin. I would be curious, very curious to see what would happen. Would it add to the chaos, or would something dramatic, or would it not add to the chaos, or would there, or would the entire crisis end because you, because Putin's no longer in power? Essentially, calling for a regime change. Yeah, if Putin is no longer in power, 
and say he was assassinated by, say, the U.S. government or Europe tries to assassinate Putin, I would be very curious to see what would happen. That's just speculation, however. So, yep, there's a lot of interesting things. Yep, in terms of anything going on, the only thing that President Biden could do and is doing at this point would probably be to, A, send more weapons to Ukraine to counter Russian influence, and also, um, potentially, also would be to maybe ban oil exports completely, so we're not sending any U.S. oil to Russia. Not just imports, but exports need to be banned, I think. And continuing the sanctions also needs to continue. Um, uh, for the most part, I don't think President Biden can do much in terms of countering the situation, from my understanding. Some people say that he could have enacted the sanctions earlier, which I think is fair to say that the sanctions could have been enacted earlier, and I think that's fair. Everything. It would have been better if we realized Russia has a clear geopolitical threat many years ago, and enacted the sanctions a few months earlier when we first knew of the invasion. But the only thing that I think he sh could do right now would probably be to ban oil exports completely. So we're not sending any U.S. oil to Russia, which would help their GDP and help their invasion and their genocide. Um, Biden has been taking a more aggressive stance than Trump, at least, in terms of countering... Um, Russia, I think Trump made a statement calling Putin what he described as savvy for the Russian invasion, which is an odd statement. Um, especially there are concerns about any involvement on Trump in election interference about his, his statement about Russia, if you're listening, in the 2016 election, go find 35,000 emails. And yep, they did. Yeah, I'm curious whether that had any influence, yeah. There are, of course, many questions about Trump's ties to Russia. I could do an entirely separate episode on that, so I'm not going to get into that. Yes, it's a lot. <laughs> and that's about it um, for any statements that I have in terms of the crisis in Ukraine. It's a lot, and it's a very, very complex subject, and maybe... It could be easier to understand if I spoke slower, but nonetheless, it's an interesting subject, and I'm not, I know more about U.S. politics, but I still thought it's something I need to cover, because many people are curious about what's happening in terms of all the atrocities that Putin is committing, and just how he is very, very dumb. <laughs> Can't put him much more candidly than that, is that he is just a bad person. And he's been in power since, like, the 90s, and it's really interesting. And we turn now to U.S. politics and away from geopolitical tensions and turn now to U.S. politics. And Kirsten Cinema spoke at the Arizona Chamber of Commerce recently. And she made a variety of statements, including her support for increased fossil fuel production, opposing... Any increase whatsoever, no increase whatsoever to the corporate tax rate, none whatsoever. And she also claims that a recession is impending. I'll address each one individually. First, she wants to increase fossil fuel production. Well, of course we're headed towards a climate catastrophe in probably the next 15 years, to be honest. Um, it's going to be very bad in terms of the climate change issues. But, nonetheless... Yeah, she wants to increase fossil fuel production. Um, but, I mean, we've tried this thing, this experiment before, like, 
We've always said, like, the U.S. needs to become energy independent, and we largely are today and continue to be so. Largely, not entirely. But no matter how much we drill, we're still going to rely a little bit on corrupt regimes like Venezuela, Russia, and Saudi Arabia for oil, at least a little bit. And it's just going to hurt the environment overall. And, you know, we've tried this experiment of just trying to drill as much as we can here in order to get never get our oil anywhere else we tried it under bush we tried it under pretty much any president but we still at least get some from other places and i think the best way of energy independence is renewable energy not fossil fuels and people whether or not you believe in the scientific consensus of climate change i believe my personal opinion that you want a more competitive free market energy sector that's not dominated by oil and natural gas so that way energy prices could fall and it creates jobs like any prom any proponent of capitalism should promote a more competitive energy sector things like renewable energies like hydroelectricity geothermal solar wind and nuclear power competing with oil and natural gas because re renewables are cheaper than 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 fossil fuels, actually. Um, the only reason why California's prices are so high is probably because of regulation, I would suspect. But West Virginia, they rely almost entirely on coal, and their utility prices are about five times as much as the U.S. So, yeah, it's not going to help the middle class to increase fossil fuel production. And it's just silly how we're giving out these millions of dollars to oil subsidies and not cutting taxes for the middle class, and I don't understand why we're doing it. It's not going to help. I mean, fuel prices are a real issue. And I know people feel it in their daily lives. Ideally, we should be moving towards electric vehicles. In the meantime, we need to expand access to public transportation, I think would be the best way to do it. Not only that, but would be to also ban any oil exports to keep oil in America and not sending over to dictate dictators and regimes um, that are essentially destroying creating a humanitarian crisis so yeah we don't need any more oil exports they need to be banned some people are saying that we should suspend the gas tax the federal gas tax that's a bad idea because for one the gas tax funds road infrastructure something we desperately need is more funding for roads and bridges but another thing is that the when you cut the federal gas tax usually prices go up because what happens is demand increases and there's not enough supply to keep up with oil demand like there is right now about companies artificially keeping production low, even during the pandemic, even after the pandemic has largely passed away, just to increase profits. But when, when supply is low and you suspend the taxes, what happens is there might be a momentary drop for, say, a week, but then after a week, the effects are disappear of the suspension, demand increases, and then all of a sudden... Um, prices get more expensive and we start polluting more so it's bad i don't think it's a good idea um to suspend the federal gas tax i certainly understand the intentions but i think it's a wrong strategy from a supply and demand and economic standpoint as well as an environmental standpoint so that's going to be interesting yeah and she said that she'll oppose any increase to the corporate tax rate whatsoever by the way cinema voted against a plan that would that passed that would lower the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%, which it is right now. She doesn't want to raise it back to 35%, which is interesting. I personally did think that 35% is too high, but Biden only wants to raise it to 28%, and 
A small increase probably won't hurt businesses too much, I would suspect. A large increase would, like say a 15, 20, or 10% increase, but a 7% increase would probably make very little impact on the economic um, engine, I think, of small businesses. I don't think that a small increase would have much of an impact, and if anything, it will reduce the federal deficit, which she's complained about quite a bit, is the federal deficit cinema has, but she seems to be opposing measures that would reduce the federal deficit. She, yeah, so that's interesting. And she also claims that a recession is coming, which I don't think is likely, unless if the Federal Reserve mm, increases interest rates significantly in an effort to curb inflation, which they could increase interest rates. I bet they are doing it. It's still pretty low even with inflation, um, part of the reason why it's so high. But if you increase rate rates too much, it could lead to a recession, but unless, but unless if there's any dramatic rate increases, I don't think a recession is coming. A small increase probably wouldn't do much in terms of creating a recession, but if there's a large increase, yes, that would. But if it was, if there ever was a recession, it would not be Congress's fault, it would be the Federal Reserve's fault for increasing interest rates too high. I don't see that as possible. They've been, Jerome Powell and the people at the Federal Reserve have been very cautious about raising interest rates because they don't want to hurt the economy too much, which is largely recovered, though still has a little bit of work to do. Mm -hmm. And another thing that is interesting is that, like Cinema, she opposes a $15 minimum wage, increasing corporate taxes, allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. She opposes immigration reform and supports increased use of fossil fuels. And due to that, many of her progressive-leaning donor groups, like, for example, her largest contributor in 2018, according to Open Secrets from her campaign records, is Emily's List, which is a pro-choice uh, liberal advocacy group. I think they're asking for their donations to be refunded, and many are cutting back. But at the same time, she's gained increased support from pharmaceutical interests, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah, those are my opinions on cinema, as well as my analysis on the crisis at the Ukrainian border. So that's all I have to say for today. Uh, remember, stay above the noise and peace out. It's great to speak about this, and I know some of you are anxious waiting for another episode, but, um, and I'll continue to be up to date on those. Um, this is just a complex topic that I know many are curious about, and um, glad to be speaking about this. Um, so, peace out, and stay above the noise and form your own conclusions. Bye.